how did I forget his name? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to laugh when you realize what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, Brad Pitt. There. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Brad Pitt's name. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing Jordan Peele's newest movie, Nope. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what is your dream role for Kiki Palmer? I'm Lucas Stripe from Chicago, and I think this is a fantastic question. I think with Nope coming out, I think everybody is is on the is on the Kiki Palmer train. For me, I think she needs a role that is where she can display her charisma and just be the coolest person in the room. I think Brad Pitt kind of fits that level of just completely in control of you know of his surroundings super cool super charismatic um and i think a role like fight club um is was what kind of brought him to kind of his peak i would love a role like that for kiki palmer something where she's playing against someone else who's fantastic but also more level-headed um where she can just absolutely shine in a true starring role uh in something like a thriller or something like that that's a genius pick. Um, she would she would do so well with that. Um, I am Sandra Amstutz. I am from Nashville, Tennessee, and um, we've been talking a lot, you and I both, about about how much we want her to become a megastar. How mm-hmm. like she's she's always been successful. Like Kiki Palmer works. Like Kiki Palmer <laughs> always stays working. Yeah, um, but. We both want her to reach like a mega stardom level, and I'm trying. I've been thinking about like what other roles kind of propelled someone into that mega stardom realm, and I really would love for Kiki Palmer to find her version of a Silver Linings Playbook, mm. um, something where what like that role for Jennifer Lawrence won. It won her an Oscar. Two, it played to all of her strengths of being both dramatic and comedic. Mm-hmm. And she gets to be a love interest. She gets to be sexy. She gets to be um, you know, vulnerable. She gets to be funny all in one role. Um, I think that- it also brought her out of the child star not that she was a child star but you know the hunger games like it was it was the transition for her to i'm in an adult movie star now definitely and um in that movie it's you know it's it's a drama it's a comedy it's a rom-com it's like a lot all in one Mm -hmm. and something like that that's like that well-rounded i think could kiki palmer could shine so well in yeah um, I, I, I think that's a great call. I was trying to think of like rom-com situation. And I was like, I think she'd be great in a rom-com. But I don't think rom-com is what pushes you to kind of that absolute mega star right. <laughs> level. So No, it has to be it has to be something with romance because she is, mm-hmm. of course, like beautiful. And I don't, you know, romance is something that I think she would do amazing at. Yeah. But that also has that um, gravitas. I agree that- with you could get her an Oscar, yep, you know, definitely. because again, I think that's the level I want to see her at where she's, you know, showing up at award shows. She's getting huge multi-million dollar checks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we want for Kiki Palmer. Exactly. Well, get her agent on the phone. Cause we've got her uh, career mapped out for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, well, we'll definitely 
talk more about Kiki Palmer later on in this episode. I'm sure we'll have lots to say about her. Um, But before we talk about Kiki Palmer and Nope, I do want to know, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Uh, This week I'm feeling a FX TV show. Um, The first season just finished of The Old Man. This is a a drama thriller based on a novel by Thomas Perry um, and directed by at least the first two episodes are directed by john watts who (laughs) before doing the most recent spider-man films um he did a kind of small thriller called cop car which was really really good and i think doing this show kind of helped him go back to um some of those darker tones um some of those like really really good directing style um that we just haven't seen from him because he's been doing spider-man movies (laughs) um but this is uh a show starring Jeff Bridges, um, who plays a former CIA operative who's been living off the grid for, you know, 30 something years. Um, someone breaks into his home and he has to kill him. And he realizes that, um, his past has caught up to him. Um, and we're not really necessarily aware of exactly what that means. So he goes back on the run. Um, John Lithgow plays an FBI, uh, director who is brought in to help bring in, um, Jeff Bridges based on some of their past in the Soviet Afghanistan war. Um, and so this is a very, I think it starts off as a very like by the books spy thriller, which is always fun. I'm always down for that, but I think it goes in some very interesting places, um, and brings in some very interesting people. I think at Ali shock, Ali shock at, well, Ali Shawkat is in this um, playing uh, an FBI agent, and Amy Brenneman is in this um, playing um, a woman that um, Jeff Bridges ends up renting a room from. And I think their characters just get really interesting in a show like this that you don't really see from female characters. (laughs) Um, And I think this is just a a show that is going to go a lot of different places as the show goes on. Um, And it's just really thrilling and very, very fun um, from... Uh, something that I feel like would be very just standard fare, um, you know, 10 years ago. I think this, this it goes in interesting directions, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about season two because it just got renewed for it. That is exciting. Um, I always love it, Lucas, when you bring a real dad pick to It's the such pod. a dad pick. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> um, this is a show that, like, I would never gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know but love to hear about and love to like be aware of. Yeah. But I, I have heard great things. Is it the kind of show that is more about like the mood and the characters or is it more about the twist and the turns? Like what are you, what do you keep coming back for? That's yeah, that's a really good question. There are some twists and turns that I think are telegraphed to you early on. And you're just like, am I supposed to know this? is happening it did i am i ahead of the show um and you're not it's not about the twists it is about the characters and you spend it has some very long scenes where you just get to spend sitting and hearing these characters talk to each other and hear about the relationships with these characters and their backstory and stuff like that and i think that's what's really fun about it um i think this is not this is a would be a fun show that i would watch but not necessarily one that i would recommend to everyone um Mm -hmm. if it kind of fits some of those traditional formulas um but i do think the way that it kind of digs into some of these characters lives and how they're feeling um about some of the stuff that they're dealing with is is very interesting and i think like jeff bridges and jonathan lithgow are amazing actors but some of the stuff that they get to do here um i think are really unique and and something that you don't usually get to see um men of this age getting to do mm. men of this age in hollywood <laughs> I, i've never you know never <laughs> i'm just giving you a hard time um yeah no but i have heard great things of this show and i'm glad that you that it's getting a second season i always love when the shows that we fall in love with we're gonna get to get more of yeah definitely well what i'm feeling this week is a show that will not be getting a second season because it was a (laughs) limited series that came out in 2019 that I am, you know, very late to the game. Um, And that is the TV show of Four Weddings and a Funeral that's streaming on Hulu. The adaptation, of course, of the Richard Curtis Four Weddings and a Funeral film starring Hugh Grant. This is the Hulu TV show version that I've been watching recently. Um, I had avoided this show for a while. I, um, 
I remember when it came out in 2019, I must have read a bad review or, or heard some bad buzz and just really wrote it off right away. Um, this was a show coming from Mindy Kaling's team. Um, she, she was one of the producers of this show and I had loved the Mindy project up until a point where I felt like the Mindy project kind of went south and I don't know if this was um, around that time or kind of shortly after that time. And I remember thinking like, oh, Mindy, I, I don't know if I can do another Mindy show. And I'm hearing <laughs> bad buzz. And this looks like, you know, a bad reboot of something that we all loved. And I just was like, not for me. No, thank you. Um, then recently... I have been on a big, you know, surprise, surprise, a rom-com kick. Um, I've been, you know, watching. I watched that movie that you watched, Lucas, I Want You Back. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched the new Persuasion. I watched a Hulu show called Maggie that um, was fine. (laughs) Um, But, but, you know, had a lot of rom-com elements that I think worked. And so I've just been, like, you know, mainlining rom-coms. And... I realized as I was looking around on Hulu that I never did give this Four Weddings and a Funeral a shot and now felt like the proper time. Um, so I started it and I was so surprised to find out that like it was really great. Um, it is funnier than I expected. It's much more romantic than I expected. The show is also produced um, or executive produced by Richard Curtis and the show, in addition to being like a take on his original film, Four Weddings and a Funeral, it is also an homage to Richard Curtis films. Um, throughout the entire series are little references to all the big rom-com moments in all of his movies. Um, it's set in Notting Hill. There's a Love Actually scene that keeps... There's multiple Love Actually scenes that are paid tribute to... Um, there is, oh, what's another big one? There's, I kept noticing things. Oh, there's a big Notting Hill moment that I, that I remember, um, which I found of course really delightful. Um, but in addition to that, it has such a charismatic cast. Nikesh Patel plays, um, one of the main love interests and he also stars in a show that I've keep bringing up on this podcast called Starstruck. Um, he is turning into like my favorite British, you know, romantic <laughs> male interest on these TV shows. Um, he's continues to be great. John Reynolds is on this show. He's on search party. He's like the tall guy with the glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so funny and charming on this show. I have just a big old crush on him. And it was fun to see him like play like an earnest, sweet, like romantic guy. Um, Brandon Michael Smith is very funny on this show. He was on, um, what was that show called with Aya Cash? Um, uh, You're the Worst? Yes. He was the rapper on You're oh, the yeah, Worst. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he continues to be really funny on this show. Um, and then also um, Natalie Emmanuel from Game of Thrones and the Fast and the Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the lead of the show. She's wonderful. She Her character um, doesn't get to be as fun as everyone else's as, <laughs> as the lead. But she you know holds her own like and, and really drives the show forward. Um, Rebecca Rittenhouse is new to me. She's an actress that's very new to me. And she is also um, really funny and really you know delightful in this show. She's the show of that new show, Maggie, that I mentioned. A show about a psychic who has trouble dating because mm-hmm. she's a psychic. Um, Maggie is a show that is not as good as, it, as I want it to be. But it's much better than you'd think. I have a lot of more thoughts about Maggie that I could get into. But the four of them play, well, not, not Nakesh Patel, the, the other four play like an American group of friends from college that are all living in London. And it's about um, several years of their lives in London as, you know, people get married and people die, you know, mm-hmm. as the title suggests. And I 
just, I just loved it. Um, if you are looking for something like sweet and bright to watch over a weekend, I highly recommend it. Have you checked this out at all? I have not. I think for the same reasons that that, that you missed it the first time through. It's just yeah. I didn't hear great things about it. I wasn't in love with what Mindy Kaley was doing at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I really love Richard Curtis and didn't want to uh be disappointed. So <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. I will definitely have to check it out because it's I mean anything in that vein feels like something that I would want to watch. Um so if you recommend it, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. I think you'll like it. Um I I would never want anyone to think it is going to be of the level of like a Richard Curtis like beloved rom-com. Like yeah, it is yeah. it is not that, but it is surprisingly funny and romantic and really really enjoyable. That's fun. Yeah. Um so strongly recommend the 2019 <laughs> Four Weddings and a Funeral on Hulu. Oh man. Um, okay, so Lucas are you ready for us to talk about Nope? Yep. <laughs> Before we talk about our feelings about Nope, I think we should recap people on how you and I in general feel about Jordan Peele and horror movies. Um, High on Jordan Peele, low on horror movies. (laughs) Yes, same. Um, Um, I do think that like, Jordan Peele has an interesting, I think, relationship with horror movies. I think when when Get Out first came out, I was not going to see it at all. I was like, it doesn't matter that it's from uh, this Key and Peele guy. I'm, <laughs> I don't do horror movies, and I just heard so many good things about it. And people, a lot, so many people said like, well, it's not horror. It's not horror. Um, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll watch it. And I think there's a weird, I think there are buckets of horror, and I think there is like gore horror. Um, hmm. there is like supernatural horror and then there's just like psychological, like horror. It's not psychological thriller. It, I do think there's a psychological horror where, um, it is more about, <laughs> sorry, but it's more about the vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's the camp that Jordan Peele falls into and that I feel like I could do, but I, it has to be from somebody that I trust. <laughs> and so I think I'm all in on Jordan Peele now. Um, and so from the get-go, I was like, I'm definitely going to watch this movie. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm doing it. Um, but no other horror, really. <laughs> Can I stand? I have a question. Did you watch Us? I did watch Us, yes. What did you think? How did you feel about Us? That was that was on the borderline for me. I could do it. I could definitely do it. But um, it was definitely scary. <laughs> Scarier yeah. than, you know, his other two movies. <laughs> so Because I, similar to you, I don't really do horror. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I'm going to see something that is leaning towards horror, it has to be, like, top tier. It has to be a movie that everyone says you have to watch and from a like a really respected filmmaker for me to even like maybe watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Peele is kind of like one of the only horror film directors that I will like get on board with. Um, now, like, I mean, I don't think his latest two movies would be classified as horror, but like Robert Eggers, the, the witch, that mm-hmm. is a movie that I'm like, that I would have thought was horror that I now will probably watch at some point because his other films have been, you know, really special to me. Um, so yeah, I was very similar with you where, um, I don't watch any horror, but when get out arrived, the trailer, I think the trailer for get out, I remember being so good. Mm -hmm. And, um, I believe that my memory, if my memory serves me correct, I got free passes to see an early screening of Get Out. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe like a week early, not, you know, super early. And I just couldn't pass it up. I just was like, I I really want to like be in on this and I'm just going to, you know, be brave. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And thank God I did because that movie is, you know, of course, incredible. Um, And then when Us came out, I remember the trailer for that and I was like, this is straight up horror. I am not... I am not participating in this 
<laughs> in this movie. <laughs> um, and, I, and I haven't seen Us. It just, I, you know, read plot summaries. I, I, I mm-hmm. understand the concept. But that looked like straight up, like, the point of this movie is to be scared. Um, and was not interested in, in joining that. Um, then this one... The trailer seemed much lighter than the first two. Like, yeah, this seemed more like a thriller, like a, a, almost an adventure movie than it did a horror film. Mm-hmm. One thing that I will say about going to see this movie in a theater is that you you sit in the theater and then you have to watch all uh. the trailers. For all the other horror films. I thought the same thing. And I don't know why in my head as they were starting, I was like, why are there so many horror trailers? Why am I watching? And I was like, oh, we're watching a Jordan Peele movie. That's why they're in all these horror trailers. Because we never like (laughs) seek out those trailers. No, not at all. And we never go to movies where those trailers are usually shown. Yeah. yeah. And so it is, it was so uncomfortable. I was like, I hate all of this. I don't want to see a single one of these movies. Yep. Anyway, so one of the things about this podcast that I love so much is that you and I are like joined on in that, in in that, um, hatred of horror movies, but like willingness to persevere for the right one. Exactly. Um, so Lucas, I've got to know, was Nope the right one? It was Nope good enough for us to, to go and, um, conquer our fears. I think so. Um, if, if I just had to rank Jordan Peele's movies right now, I think just get out is a masterpiece. And I think people are always going to be comparing every single one of his movies to, (laughs) to that, um, which is fine, but I don't expect everything to be that. Um, I think he had something very specific to say there and now he's just making movies. He's telling stories. Um, and so for, you know, to put anything against a movie like that with that kind of, um, uh, I guess dissection of of the culture. <laughs> um, if people are go- if people go to every one of his movies looking for that, I think they're going to be disappointed. I thought this was a very fun movie. Um, I thought it was very interesting, and um, I don't think it's as good as Get Out, but I do think it's better than Us. Um, I think this is this is the first time that I've seen a director um, get this massive jump in budget mm-hmm. that wasn't. Uh, just a director going to Marvel <laughs> or <Right>. something, you know, <laughs> like he still gets to create his own world here. Um, it's impressive. It's really, really an impressive movie. And I think just visually and the and auditorily, the, <laughs> yeah. the visuals and sound, I think, are some of the coolest things that I've seen in a very long time and just some of the most surprising. I think this this entire movie, I was kind of on the edge of my seat as to you know, what's going to happen next, um, which is just fun. I think from a story perspective, I've got some questions. Um, but for me, this is a movie that I want to sit on for quite a while. Um, I think before I can really start to talk about or start to understand how, um, this movie is going to settle for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I would, I would absolutely encourage everybody to go see it. It's such a unique and interesting movie. Um, what, how, when did you see it? How many days ago? I saw it two days ago. So okay. I've, I've had a little bit of time, but, um, it's, I haven't stopped thinking about it since. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I think I made a mistake in seeing it last night. Mm, um, yeah. And this is definitely a movie that I wish I would have given myself a little bit more wiggle room to mm-hmm. like let my thoughts settle because my mind is definitely still racing. Yeah. Um, I loved this experience of seeing this movie. Um, but all of my thoughts are very um, surface level at this moment because mm-hmm. I, this film hasn't sat with me yet. Um, but all the thoughts that I do have are just excitement pretty much about yeah. different elements, different performers. Um, one thing that I will say is that like, there were points in this movie where I was like, oh, this is more horror than I expected, <laughs> I, I think, based on the trailer. Yeah. Um, and, and that was probably very, like, faulty expectation setting on my part. Um, and so for someone who is avoidant when it comes to horror, horror um, it was definitely not too scary for me, mm-hmm. but it was one of those things where it's just like, you've got to, like, You've got to stick this out, these moments, 
um, where you're very uncomfortable because the rest of this movie is so rewarding. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that I I haven't seen us. So I'm I'm really only comparing, you know, this to get out, Um, get out. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Get out is a masterpiece. You can't compare every single one of his movies to get out. Um, But one thing that I think that this movie brings that Get Out doesn't is, of course, Get Out, of course, had very funny moments um, Mm -hmm. to break up all of that tension. But it was largely a movie about, like, tension. And this has so much more energy and humor built into the story and built into the characters. Um, And that made this movie, in addition to being, like, tense and beautiful and and scary and and all those other things that um, we loved, it made it just so much fun. I had so much fun in a movie theater seeing this movie. And that is one of my favorite feelings in the world, is being in a movie theater and having a really fun time. Um, And I also think it is surprisingly a of more fleeting feeling these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so excited that this movie like brought me there. Um, also like this probably goes without saying, but everyone cast in this movie is so good. They're just <laughs> incredible. We've been like big fans of most of them, like Daniel Kluya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen mm-hmm. Young. Um, but also like, Brandon Perea, I have never seen before. Star. I can't wait to see more Brandon Perea in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just writing a high right now, ultimately. And uh, I can't wait to talk about some more of the details of this movie that, like, brought me to this high. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there anything... I think we're both really eager to get to spoilers. Is there anything before spoilers that you also wanted to, like, note or talk about? Um... I don't think so. I think I think everything that I want to talk about has to do with spoilers. <laughs> Great. Let's do it then. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Um, okay, spoiler section starting now. Um, one thing that I really want to say is speaking back to like how much of this movie is horror. Um, when the movie started with that oh, man. quote from the Bible, yeah, I like my skin went pale. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. I thought this was going to be his fun adventure movie. And this is not setting me up for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that Bible quote, Freaked me out so much. <laughs> I love it. I love it that that was the thing that made you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to remind anyone, it said, the quote is, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. And I was like, and I think, you know, now seeing the film, I, I interpret that so differently. Yes. But going into the film, <laughs> thinking it's a story about aliens and a UFO. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, this is something aliens are going to do to us. Yeah, they're going to torture. Yeah. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> this sounds awful. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. So I just wanted – I had to bring that up as, as the, my first experience with the film. Yeah. I think that paired with – it opens with um, – The Gordy stuff. The right? Gordy stuff, right. Yeah, with that Gordy scene that you just – you have no idea what's happening, except you know what's happening. Like there's, there's such a restraint to that opening <laughs> of where you get you you understand what you've seen. You just have no idea what the context is, <laughs> yeah. and I think that really sets the tone of some shit's about to go down. Yeah. So. Um. One of the other things that I. You know, I think that made this film very special. And I'm trying to remember if he did this in Get Out at all. I don't believe so. And I'm I'm curious if you can tell me like if this was you this style was used in us. Sort of like non-linear, like flashback storytelling that he did throughout the the movie. Where it's not like 
the whole movie felt super nonlinear, but there were these like weird cuts into these moments that were completely out of order and, and were technically flashbacks, but didn't feel like they were edited the way flashbacks normally are edited into films. Yeah. Um, was that is that something that he's known for that I'm just missed it out on? Yes, um, I mean, well, t- I mean, to an extent, he doesn't like you said he doesn't really do it in, in Get Out, but um, um, us definitely has that exact same um, okay. kind of situation where and all three films start with something that happened previously that really sets up the tone, <laughs> you know, mm. not necessarily like a flashback, but like a previous. Um, what was the one in know, Get Out? I've, I've, I'm so uh, totally when Lakeith Stanfield's character gets taken. Oh, that's right. So okay, it's like yes. it's it's outside the context of you know the main character and the story that's happening there, but right. it sets you up for what's you know the, and here's it's the tone, here's what's happening, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Us starts that as as well um, in like a fun house um, on <laughs> the Santa Cruz beach, which was terrifying, um, and so yes, and the, but then this flashback kind of. Uh, thing that happens throughout this with uh steven yoon's character uh happens in in us as well so i it is definitely i think and a theme for him with daniel Kluge's character and his father yeah that's true yep. yeah yeah he he uh, plays with that because I, I do think like most directors if you're going to do flashbacks you're going to do them throughout it's going to be like a consistent storytelling narrative mm-hmm. um where i do think you just get kind of these little flashes um, or maybe one scene as a flashback for, for Jordan Peele um, in really these interesting moments, but it's not like a full storytelling device throughout the whole movie kind of a situation. And there's, they sneak up on you, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah. you, there's no like, you know, movie magic where it's like, you know, and now we're in a flashback. It's right. like, you'll see Daniel Kaluuya on the farm and then his dad shows up and then you're like, uh, Oh, right. Okay. We must be in a flashback. Like it feels like it's part of it's woven in as if it's another scene almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked that aspect. I really liked that. In addition to like the stuff, the, the things happening in the plot, keeping you very unsettled, something like that is also sort of like subconsciously keeping you you know, unsettled as you're watching the film. Yeah. Um, it is interesting to me. And I, and I think that like what makes this film genius is that we went in expecting, I think an alien UFO movie. And this turned out to not be that, um, not technically, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a creature feature. It's a creature feature. Um, I loved that surprise. Um, yeah. how, how did you feel about that? I did too, because it, it made it, I mean, <laughs> Obviously, that's what he was setting up the whole time. So it's not like ah, ah, he he fit the themes he was going for. But right. it's it's more just I think it's more interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, like if it's a UFO, you have to get into this conversation about um, other worlds and uh, intelligent life and all of these you know these things that can get into just a bigger scope, um, which can be interesting for sure. But I think a movie, which the yeah. Brandon Pratt character kind of runs through with yes, real quickly. Yes. Like here are the real options. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think this just makes for one, a tighter movie, but also just, I think a more interesting and more grounded movie as if you can say that, <laughs> yeah. um, with more analogies to, you know, life, life as it is today, we, we get to, you know, obviously we get the Gordy, you know, connection, mm-hmm. but we also have um, the cinematographer who's looking at uh, all these, all this footage of uh, predators in the wild and stuff like that. And so, like, this d- doesn't necessarily have to be something that's otherworldly. I mean, it probably is, but like, it has nothing to do with it coming from another planet or anything like that. It has nothing to do with the plot, or it, it doesn't even come up with any of the characters. <laughs> it's just this is something that um, is hunting us and is trying to kill us um, in much more of a like predator way than in any other kind of alien movie that we've seen. Yeah. Um, I really loved that distinction that like Jordan Peele's character makes OJ that OJ makes. Um, a Daniel Kaluuya. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Jordan Peele. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Daniel <laughs> I mean, Kaluuya's, it is his character, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, that Daniel Kaluuya's character makes about um you know you you can't domesticate a predator yeah um and how we're seeing the difference between these animals that you can domesticate and animals that you can't and you know what happens when you try to domesticate an animal that you can't and 
Um, yeah, I, I found that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I also really loved about this movie was um, the like the personality like assignments of the OJ and the Emerald character, mm-hmm. and Daniel Kaluuya and the Kiki Palmer. Um, to see Daniel Kaluuya be so reserved and internal, um, of course he's an amazing actor, so he pulls it off incredibly. But I love the idea of like you have siblings that you know are so opposite to each other and yet have that strong bond. Yeah. And Kiki Palmer is the perfect person to cast opposite and to fill that that void that his character leaves. It really is. And I think it's so interesting to cast, like, he's obviously, like, the biggest movie star Oscar winner in this movie. And to cast him as, like, the stoic cowboy yeah, makes sense, but also leaving that huge charisma gap that we all know he can fill. Sure, sure. (laughs) For Kiki Palmer, I think, is truly amazing. I love it. I love it. And I do think, like, I do think because we know who he is, there's this question of... Why is he so stoic? Why is he so reserved in all of this? And that's that that's that's like that is the character. Like he is playing the traditional closed cowboy yeah. <laughs> in this movie, um, which is so fun to see um, in this because I feel like we get a lot of modern cowboy stuff, but the only thing that we lean into is the the charm and the charisma and the um you know the swagger of the Mm -hmm. cowboy um in a lot of the modern stuff we don't lean into the stoicism the closed offness the (laughs) you know uh the the kind of the negative things about emotional wrangling that i think what you get from real cowboys (laughs) i'm really intrigued by that because i you know we've talked about this a lot as well as mm-hmm. um, my aversion of to Westerns and your love of Westerns. When you say like the modern cowboy has been like very charming. Do you have like an example that you can point me towards? Cause I'm drawing a blank because I think that if cowboys were more charming, I, t- I might be more drawn to them. I think a lot of our modern Westerns, I, I'm thinking like hell or high water, um, okay. the writer, um, movies okay. where, and, and, and not necessarily saying like, like they're the coolest characters in the world, but it's like you're drawn into these characters. Okay. Um, and they, they do seem cool. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like someone you want to go hang out with, but they do, they do have, um, a level of coolness to them. Got it. Um, whereas, Daniel Kaluuya there's nothing cool about him the way he dresses the way he talks the way he looks like everything about him is just all I care about are these horses (laughs) and I don't care about people and that I feel like is more real like the look of him is the look of the the cowboys that I grew up around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is like a, a sudden indictment of horse people. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in that, in that regard. Right. Um, yeah. Um, like he also, like he doesn't wear button ups and cowboy hats. Like he's wearing, right. he's wearing like a dumb looking trucker hat and a hoodie for most of this movie. Like, like that's, totally. that's the look that you're going for is I do not care about my appearance. This isn't uh this isn't a, of I'm not putting on a show. I am just who I am. Right. He's not a showman. Right. He is a farm guy. Yes. Um, which is, you know, there's, yeah, there's different types of quote unquote cowboys and yeah, he falls into that one. Um, you know, at the end of this movie, I it hadn't, you know, there's a lot of him on a horse, you know, throughout the movie, but most at the end, particularly mm-hmm. he gets yeah. to kind of be the hero on a horse mm-hmm. and, um, it was thrilling. I mean, of course, <laughs> that ending is thrilling in general, but yeah. like specifically him on a horse, yeah. I was very into. Yeah. And it made me start to rethink, like, it made me really try to analyze, okay, why don't I like Westerns? Because <laughs> I've always kind of put horses into that equation of mm, why yeah. I wasn't like it, but I love this. Yeah. So it's not the horses. It also had me wondering, like, is this a Western? Like, do we categorize this into the western subgenre. See, I thought that as well. I think also the score mixes in a lot of like western themes and yeah. um I mean obviously um Steven Yoon's character is kind of playing into the joke of like this western show type thing. It I, doesn't get more west than <laughs> like the California beautiful landscape. Like, exactly. That's the exactly. West. Yeah. And so I do think I do think it is a western um to an extent. Um I think 
he's playing around with a lot of Western themes there, which is fun. Yeah. So this, like, let's mark this down into like okay. the category of Western Sandra likes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. One of these days, we're really gonna nail down like what it is specifically that works and doesn't work. Um, I, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. Okay. So another thing that I really liked about this movie. And Jordan Peele in general, but, like, that this movie does really well, is Jordan Peele doesn't seem to be afraid of employing pop culture references. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of big budget movies can tend to avoid pop culture references. One, because it can take you out of the story. Two, it can date the film, you know, in a lot of ways. Um Oftentimes, like, you know, the distraction of referencing, like, good pop culture, maybe, like, if your movie isn't good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of films, like, avoid pop culture references. Um, or when they do them, it's, you know, really lame and forced. And Jordan Peele, I kept noticing, was, like, all his pop culture references felt so natural and right for those characters. Mm-hmm. And yet classic and that don't date the film in any way um i I was really impressed by like that specifically what are some examples that stand out to you there so there's of course like the references to like the snl cast members and Mm -hmm. snl in general yeah um there's you know the the mad magazine cover that we see of gordy Mm -hmm. um so like those like smaller ones but one of the bigger ones is like reference calling this an oprah moment Mm -hmm. and referencing oprah um and turning that into like a plot point is like is this the is this an oprah moment no this is not (laughs) what we've captured isn't big enough for oprah yeah we all know what they mean by that like they don't have to explain they don't have to go into detail and explain what an oprah moment is yeah we got it and i think it takes a level of confidence in your work to employ references like that i agree i also think that there has to be a little bit of distance like Mm -hmm. snl has been around for so long mad magazine you know has been around for so long oprah's been around for so long and so having these things that are like these are established and will be even if they won't be um at the front of people's minds you know in 10 years when someone's watching this those will still be touch points that people are able to connect to whereas if you know there was a, a reference to P. something very exactly yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> that would be that would be something that's very very specifically now whereas right. this is specifically this era i think yeah no, absolutely. Like, and that finesse is what makes like Jordan Peele a, a great writer and director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else we want to cover, or, or is there specifically plot points that you wanted to talk about? Let's let's talk about the creature. Let's talk about Jean Jacket. Yeah. Um, I think one, the character design of it is one of like once even even before it completely unfurls, it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think. Reminds me of how, like, Arrival, another, like, there's something in the sky movie, um, how just, like, the design of the thing in the sky, like, Mm -hmm. you just want to keep looking at it. Right, right. And so the, I think the the attraction to it early on of, it does look like a flying saucer, but the more time goes on and the closer you end up getting to it, you see some skin textures, you see some, you know, some ripples, stuff like that, that like it's not metal. And just like that feel of it, even before they start to say that it's a, you know, it's a creature. Um, you start to get visual hints of it. Um, which is just, it just looked great. (laughs) Um, and then obviously as it unfurls, like that's, one of the most unique things I've ever seen oh, in a movie, so like, and just captivating. And this, this whole mindset of like, you shouldn't look at it. Like, don't look it in the eye kind of a situation when you've got something like that, that all you want to do is stare at it, right. um, is, is amazing. I think there's like, obviously there's some parallels to, uh, like sea creatures of, you know, the, you know, the way it moves, it feels very jellyfish and stuff like that. Yeah, but it all, exactly. Yeah. Very stingray. Yes. But it also feels completely unique you know when the oj character said early on it doesn't move like a ship yeah it took me longer than i'd like to realize what he meant by that 
Um, I think later on he like elaborates, like it doesn't move like a ship, it moves like an animal, like a mm-hmm. predator, a beast. Um, but before he had just said it doesn't move like a ship, and my mind was really racing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what does it move like? <laughs> what does it move like? If it doesn't move like a ship, what does it move like? Because I really was stuck on thinking it is like uh, um, sh- uh, some sort of hard physical object, yeah, not yeah. a yeah. living being. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I kept, I was really like, what does it move like a ship? What does it move like? Um, that that was such a great line. Um, and, and that really set us up for like this, what you thought it was, it, you're, this is a different movie than you, than you thought you were coming into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do want to talk about some negatives and i hesitate to even call them negatives um but i it's just things that i will probably want to sit on for a while to understand how i feel about it um because it hasn't hit quite well yet for me (laughs) um one of one of it is i feel like this feels like a huge win for kiki palmer's character at the end Mm -hmm. um whereas i'm not entirely sure what this is supposed to mean for her other than I did it. I lived. I got away from it kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a, like a theme that's trying to push through there with her character um, that I just completely missed at all. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a great point. If I had, I hadn't thought about that. If I had to come up with one and mm-hmm. maybe this is me like stretching is she seems to at the beginning of the film be a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. And not really commit to to one thing and not really, like, show up for the things that she's supposed to show up for, right? Mm-hmm. And by the end of the film, she is, like, committed to something, right? Yeah. And she's, like, seen something all the way through. Um, and so maybe that that is, like, kind of like an arc. But mm-hmm. I don't think that it is a arc that is, you know, super, like prevalent throughout the whole story or or one that like we're thinking about you know at the forefront yeah yeah to me it feels it felt like there are some things missing from this movie Mm -hmm. and jordan peele has actually said that he's working on a director's cut of this um so i am curious like what what that actually ends up looking like um for a couple different places but i do think like the beginning of the movie does start to set up you know like you said that she is a little all over the place that she you know, has a bunch of things going that it, this kind of, it, it brings up this differential where he wants to keep this thing going. The, he wants to keep the, um, I almost called it a farm. It's not, it's not a farm. What is it? Yeah. A, the biz- the company. A biz- yeah he wants to keep the business going. She wants to go out and do things. Um, and, it, and this might just be me trying to figure out the movie as it's happening <laughs> and was wrong. But the idea of that conflict to me, never really got resolved. Mm. Um, that kind of sibling, like they come together at the end, but it's not, they come together and he's fine with her going off and doing her own thing. Or she changes her mind and wants to help keep the business going. Like all of that just kind of gets thrown to the side um, with, which it would in real life. I'm not saying that we need that. It just felt like almost a loose thread a little bit for me. Yeah. If there had been some sort of like, because it, it almost felt like we were building up to, like, a him saying, like, this is our house. I'm not leaving it. Like, right, we're going to protect right. our house. And her being like, let's get rid of the house. Let's get rid of the farm. Let's get rid of the business. And then if she had come around to, like, you know, being more protective or more territorial, like, no, this is our house. We are going to maintain, you know. Mm-hmm. And that didn't really play out. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And I think, like, he even brings it up at one point when they're – uh at that restaurant and he's just like, I'm going back. I have mouths to feed. Like I've like, yeah. he's got, he feels like he has responsibilities and she does not, um, to an extent, but I don't feel like that was ever resolved in a way. It's just, sure. it is, it is interesting character, um, placements for these people and gives them a reason to go back. Um, but I also think the kind of the competing, <laughs> I won't even call it a theme, but the competing, I think things that keep coming up in this are the obsession with, uh, capturing the spectacle, you know, Mm -hmm. doing these things for spectacle of, you know, Gordy of the TMZ guy of 
having to get a sh- the Oprah shot of this thing. The links will go the l- for exactly, entertainment. Exactly. Um, and so I think I think that to me didn't feel like a full theme here that completely coalesced with me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that I think has to do with the Gordy stuff. That was both of the, I guess the the two scenes we get of um of the Gordy Rampage. Um it's that that's gonna be in my head for a very long long time. Yeah. Um yeah. um and I definitely want to like think about it more, but I just think like that to me never fully integrated into um, the rest of the movie. I think it sets up obviously, you know, like you said, the theme of the links will go f- for entertainment. The you know the this is I think the westernness of it of like the taming of the West. You can't fully tame the West. You yeah. cannot fully um, kind of wrangle the beast. Um, but how does it how does it fully integrate into the movie? Didn't. Mm. Uh, I think quite get there for me. Yeah. I think that's something I'm still sitting with and and Mm -hmm. seeing how I felt about it. But to me, I really, I love that this movie made me think about all of that. Yeah. Um, I love that the beast's opening looks like an old camera lens. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, you know, something that you made me think of is like, how unsettling those Gordy scenes were mm-hmm. and also this like taming of the West. Um, I think, you know, of course I found those scenes scary. I was, you know, had my hands over my eyes during parts of them, but those scenes haven't sat with me the way that like, I think I, I'm hearing from a lot of people like mm-hmm. how, you know, those are, you know, really horrifying. We'll sit with you. And I'm thinking that possibly that is because I personally, have a strong detachment and respect and fear of animals. Fear <laughs> may be a strong yeah. word, yeah. not too strong of a word, but like I have never been a pet person. Like I don't keep animals in my home. I don't, you know, I'm fine with other people who do, you know, but personally I don't want them in my home. I grew up on a farm and I've always just grown up with this mindset of like, Animals live outside and people live inside mm-hmm. and we like are separate yeah. and it, it kind of, it's, it's hard for me to make sense like deep in my brain, like key, you know, people who form relationships with animals and, and keep them in their homes because I'm like, that's an animal. Like that is, <laughs> you're keeping a wild animal in your house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, there's something about that Gordy scene that was very, like, well, yeah. Like, that's what happens when you, like, yeah. keep a wild jungle animal, like, <laughs> in with a bunch of humans. Like, things mm-hmm. can go bad. Um, and so, it's interesting to me, like, I think for other people who maybe don't have that same, like, strong separation between the animal kingdom and themselves Mm -hmm. um how they might be reacting to that yeah definitely (laughs) yeah um especially like him all dressed up you Mm -hmm. know like and just like we all do that with with our dogs you know Mm. like dressing up all these people dressing up their dog i really hate that I really hate that part. Here's the thing. I'm not, this sounds like I'm going on some rant. I actually don't care that much about people dressing up their dogs. I think it's fine, you know, but (laughs) it's just something that I don't, I don't participate in that Mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. And uh, animal people are interesting to me because I'm so far from it. And it also in a very different way is brought up later in the film when, they're like, what's the bait? Like, we're going to let out all the horses. And the Brandon Perea character, Angel, yeah. says, like, nah, these are horse people. Like, yeah. you can't <laughs> do that. I liked him pointing out, being like, no, even though that is clearly the thing that makes the most sense. Right, right. <laughs> these are these horse people, so we can't do that. That's exactly what you would do, is you'd be like, okay, the horses are the bait. <laughs> right. Like, And that's exactly what should have happened. But these are horse people. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not going to happen. So... Which leads me to, honestly, such inventive, like, fun, the fun device of those wind people being the way that they figure out where the beast is. Like, that was genius. And as you're watching it, you're like, 
man, I love a movie that is this smart and like makes me like and makes the characters this smart. Mm-hmm. It felt like a heist. It was so fun. One of there's been a, a tweet going around talking about like what are your favorite like tropes that like show up all the time, but you absolutely love them. And mine is a third act plan. Like at the beginning of the third act when they're like, all right, new plan. Here we go. That it doesn't matter what the plan is. It doesn't matter if it's good. The fact that like you get into this like almost montage sequence of a plan. I'm like, yes, I'm in. I'm here for this (laughs) every single time. The montage of getting the plan together. Yes. (laughs) And then we get to see the plan happen. Yeah. Yeah. I just it's 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 catnip for me every single time. So (laughs) absolutely. And this was a good plan. It was a great plan. I think for me, the plan does need to be good. Like if the plan's bad, I'm really annoyed. I think Um, for me, the the movie falls apart if the plan's bad. But in the moment, whether the plan is good or bad, I'm here for it. (laughs) So yes. Um, luckily this was a great plan. It was such a good plan. And watching it unfurl was really impressive. Um, yeah, I, I the the ending was a thrill. Um, I've had two theater experiences this year that where the movies were just like full on blast to participate in, mm-hmm. and then really a blast when it came to the ending. And that was Top Gun Maverick in this. Nice. And I'm just like, wow, if we could keep this trend going <laughs> of like amazing third acts that keep you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Um. One okay. Speaking of criticisms, like you mentioned earlier, I don't. My one criticism, I think, in the whole movie, is I don't think the filmmaker character really worked for me. Mm. Tell um, me about that. Well, the scene where they call him I, didn't work. I think, in my opinion, okay. it felt like they didn't give him a lot of information to go off of. Mm-hmm. He was very cryptic. <laughs> yes. In a way that I find kind of obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also felt like I kept being like, this guy was shooting a commercial. Like he wasn't shooting like they weren't on the set of like some big, you know, movie. Right. And they're like, he, he's the best filmmaker of all time or whatever. Um, they were on the set of a commercial that just didn't seem that big. Yeah. And so I, I think that, that really kind of threw me off of like they kept – she kept saying, like, you're the person, if anyone could get this shot, it's you. And, like, you're dedicated to getting the shot. Kind of like this, um, you know, he's like this legend. And I I was having trouble, like, tracking that. Um, and then when he showed up, it started to work better when he showed up. Yeah. But then that crypticness of him, like, going to get to the shot. Yeah. Yeah, you know, was frustrating. Yeah, the the his his ending didn't right. work for me at all. I th- yeah. I thought the beginning, um, kind of that first phone call was very cryptic, and I thought that was kind of funny and weird. But it also felt to me like this is this is the guy who sees himself as the artist, and he is slumming it doing commercial (laughs) and just wants to like he's editing on film he's editing these old nature documentaries like this is what he's interested in and she calls and she herself is just cryptic enough as well (laughs) for him to be interested in it he's not like he's not doing this because he's the best cinematographer in the world or anything like that he's doing this because this is actually what he cares about is is this kind of relationship but i agree that i don't think it was completely set up um, yeah. well i kept um thinking that you know not i'm it, this didn't need to happen and the film's better because it doesn't happen mm-hmm. but i kept thinking that when he gets sucked up yeah um because he kind of takes the film with him that mm-hmm. he captured the good footage on yeah um that the beast was going to spit you know how it spits out all the yeah. stuff that the film canisters were going to get, like, spat out. I kind of thought that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we also talk about, is it just me? Or was the, all the people getting sucked up into the beast, was that very vaginal to you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Um, that was real weird. I also thought we were going to watch them die in there like somehow as because because we were getting those shots i was yeah. like why one why <laughs> you gotta be a little gorier two 
I was just prepping for that. I was like, we're going to, I don't know if he has teeth in there or if he's mm. got like, if he's just going to crush that, like if that's what we're going to see. And I was just, I think I was preparing for that the whole time. And then it didn't happen. And so I was like, oh, interesting. Why, why did we just do this? Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I needed that. Just to be no, quite honest. I didn't. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see what else. I mean, the vibes of the Stephen Young like Western yeah. carnival, mm-hmm. just amazing. I was so into that. Yeah. I think it. I I had some issue at the beginning with that because he goes and sells the horse and then leaves, and that was kind of our our only glimpse of that situation over there. And I was like this is like a weird fake Western situation. Like, is this an amusement park? Like who's coming to this? And then his kids show up dressed as aliens. And I'm like, this is why, why are they dressed as aliens? Like it doesn't make sense. And then later you see, this is an alien Western (laughs) park Um, because of the beast. Like he set this up around um, this creature. But my thought is like, Who's who's coming to this thing? Like who's so, who's driving out there? And there weren't a lot of people, but you know. <laughs> my interpretation of that was that it was a Western park geared towards people who were a fan of the show that he was on. That it was like all about like because he was on the show Little Sheriff, right? Like he was supposed to be Oh, that's right. Sheriff. That's right. So I forgot kind of about like, that show. It yeah. was like a little sheriff theme park. Yeah. Sort of sideshow. Mm-hmm. And because I don't know if you noticed this. So, like the the well with the camera in it, yeah, is the poster for is the poster, right? Right. And so I think there's just like probably a lot of those little elements, mm-hmm. and he's the star, and so like it's really just you know playing up on that nostalgia factor. You're right. And yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me. My interpretation is that like he discovered the UFO beast, and he had been sacrificing these horses to mm-hmm. it. But this was the first time he was, like, trying to turn it into the show and show other people. Mm. Like, that first run was him. Because I feel like him with his wife being like, okay, let's go over it. Like, was them being like, okay, let's, we're going to do this. We're going to turn it into our part of the show. That makes sense. Okay. Yes. And I'm, like, I'm getting it. <laughs> and having the alien merch like ready to go afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you that scene with those kids dressed as those aliens. Oh man. <laughs> I was not having it. No. And I, it, to me, the whole time it felt like this isn't it, right? Like this isn't, this isn't the movie. We're not yeah. getting this, are we? Right. And it just kept going on longer and longer. Uh, and I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. This isn't what I signed up for. When there's, when there was just one, you're kind of like, what's going on? Yeah. And then when and that the second, second one, one pops, pops out. out oh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, this makes me, this reminds me, can we track how many times did he end up saying nope? I was thinking the film? same thing. It's, I think it's three. I think he says nope three times in it. He says it. The aliens with the kids. Yep. And then he says it um, when he's outside, when the, when the when the first horse gets taken, when he's outside with it mm-hmm. and he runs for the barn. Um, yeah. He says it then. And then he says it when he's in the car. Yeah. Yeah. I think those. Are, I think that's those are the three times. Those, are, yeah, I think those are his three big nopes in regards to something scary. Yep. And then I think early in the movie, either him or Kiki Palmer has a nope that's not in relation to something scary, but that is like mm. they say it. You know. Mm, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect title. It's yeah. perfectly employed. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> and I think again, the smart characters, like just doing smart things. Like nobody's yes. doing the thing that you're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Every time it's like, should you do that? Absolutely not. And they say that as well. Absolutely not. I will not do that. <laughs> right. That's another reason why I think maybe you and I avoid horror is because yeah. it is filled with dumb characters. Yeah. Doing things that we would never do. Like ever, right. ever do. And this is the type of horror I can watch where it's like a character that is smart, that is not going to put themselves at risk unnecessarily, mm-hmm. that is going to be like, no, I'm going to like get the hell out of here. I'm yeah. going to run. I'm not going to like 
put on a, t- a Western show and try to like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another moment that oh, I want to talk about that I thought was amazing that had my mind running through possibilities was at the very, very end where Kiki Palmer has like defeated the beast. And she's standing and you just, you're watching the the expression on her face, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's a moment in that scene, like when it first starts, where her expression changes. And I think, okay, her brother is there. She's seeing her brother. He's alive. She's relieved. Mm -hmm. And then the camera holds on her and her expression changes a little bit more. And this is also when there's a bunch of like, a paparazzi yeah. like coming around. Yeah. And I start to think, oh no, she doesn't see her brother. She's about to go into the spiel. She's prepping herself to do <laughs> the Haywood. Yeah. You know, like she's yeah. going to like put on the show like that. She's done, yeah. you know, her whole life. And she's just like, she, this is it. This is finally the moment for her to do it. And then it changes again, and then we see that the brother is alive. And I just love that so much that, like, they he held on her long enough that it wasn't like so clear exactly what she was looking at or what mm-hmm. her face meant. Yeah, I love that progression. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't catch that. I, but I, I did think like she's looking at her brother, and the fact that we can like know that by like, <laughs> yeah. Her face means she's got a face, you know, she could do it. So, (laughs) and also the shot of him Mm -hmm. almost in silhouette in that neon orange hoodie on the horse, you know? Yeah. It's such a good shot. It's such just like, we don't need his, like a close up on his face in the aftermath of that. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's so good. I I will definitely be watching this movie again. I really like. I want I want to sit with it and then I want to go in and and see what I get a second time because it is one of those movies that I'm sure I'm going to pick up so much more um, by by another viewing. Absolutely. Well, Lucas, where can people find you online? Uh, You can find me everywhere at Lucas and stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 